It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition, game recap edition. Justin Ferguson checking in from somewhere north of Houston. Um, I think I'm technically in the woodlands. I might be in spring. I'm not sure. Not too far from the from the airport, which is the which is the, a good thing. Recording this here on a Sunday morning, uh, back in Auburn, Alabama, from the Dan Peck Radio Network. Mr. Dan Peck, how are we doing, Dan? Hello, Justin and Painter. Um, yeah, a uh, a thrilling day of college football. N- not not the uh, not the. It, they decided to get they decided to get Auburn A and M out of the way before before the before the fun really 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 happened. I guess I guess that game was going on at the same time as Florida State Clemson too. So I mean, if you checked out of this one early, I, I don't blame you there. Uh, Painter Sharpless on the ones and twos, the producer, editor, and uh, Renaissance man of this here podcast, coming to you from an undisclosed location. Painter, how are we doing? Man, the day was a good one. You know, that is that is one of those days that you look forward to in the off season that seems to drag on for so long. Yeah, yeah. And I guess the thing, if you're an Auburn fan, like Painter is, early game, get that sucker out of the way and, and watch. Like, you can, you can be disappointed, but it's better to sit around and be disappointed watching some really good college football over, you know, just – have it like going immediately to bed after after a performance like that and hey if you decided not to participate we're like i'm gonna go do something productive more power to you but i plopped down on my sofa around 11 and didn't get up and more or less until like after midnight it was awesome yeah that's that's the way to go about it all right we're here to talk about auburn uh their 27 to 10 loss over Texas A&M. Um, once again, Auburn goes to College Station, Texas, a place where they had been 4-0 at one point uh, and does not score an offensive touchdown. Uh, wrote this in the observations uh, that went out on Saturday afternoon. Um, but uh, this used to be a place where Auburn really did well at. Um, and now in these last two trips, um, they – They've just fallen flat. 223 yards of offense uh, two years ago here uh, in Texas, and then 200 and even 200 yards of offense yesterday. That's the story. The only touchdown of the game coming from Eugene Asante. Uh, you know, I let's just go ahead and get this out of the way. Jimbo Fisher is on the field. Um, Jimbo Fisher on the field. This was something that when the play happened, when the play happened, we were all kind of like, whoa, like what's what's going on? And like they breaks away down the sidelines, and in a move that probably got me in trouble by the by the Texas A and M uh, SID, um, I just go out loud. Jimbo was on the field, right? We all saw that, right? It, like it, it was one of those things where like it happened, and then the replays. I know for those of y'all watching on TV, like the replays came and like did like had every every. Um, you know, it really showed the angle. But, like, during the run of play, I was like, did he just have to run around Jim? Like, I saw his body go behind <laughs> a coach on the sidelines, and I was pretty sure it was Jimbo Fisher. That's one of the wildest things I've ever seen. And and, and nothing. Like, nothing. There is no there is no official mention of it. Like, it didn't interrupt the play, technically. You know, Eugene Asante scored, but that was just so bizarre. So so bizarre. I've seen I've seen people get sideline warnings for less uh, this yeah, exactly. uh, this season in college football. 
Like, I, I mean, so it's odd. Yeah. Like, I've seen guys who weren't setting screens on the field for other players, you know, get, get sideline warnings. So this Unreal. is a – yeah, it was it – was, I mean, thankfully, thankfully nothing happened. Because you know, if if he could have been a legend, though he could have yeah. been a legend. Well, I mean, if yeah, if if, if oh, I'm thinking a guy on the backside. I think I think Elijah McAllister is behind him on this play, like trailing him. Like if Elijah McAllister just decided to clean him up. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's that that rule about blindside blocks does not it does not it <laughs> it does not correspond to coaches that have decided to get <laughs> coaches on the that field. are multiple yards on the yeah, field. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm not advocating for that, but at the same time. You know that that's that's one of the reasons I'm not on the field while the game is going on is is out of out of concern that something like that could happen. Painter, you've been gesticulating wildly. Uh, I, I need to know all of your thoughts on this play. The the picture that came out that Jimbo shows Jimbo's backside, and like, was it Asante? Am I remembering that correctly? Yes. With the ball, yes. and like you can see Asante essentially giving him side eye as he runs past him, and then like everyone. In t- on Texas A&M sideline, their faces look like the faces of an extra, and I think you should leave skit. It was one of those things where it happened. I was like, we all saw that, right? Like we all saw, like Jimbo no, no penalty on the extra point or on the kickoff. Nothing. He just gets to do that. And like, like coaches wander onto the field like that. Like when you're away from the play. Yeah, if all you're the forty time. yards behind the play, sure. And, and it's a sudden change and all that. But like he just. Like kind of clipped, like he just he just he just went full NPC and forgot where he was on the field. Uh, I that was that was insane. And Painter, as you, you I think you were the first one to point it out. I saw online. It's so funny that it's Texas A and M because Buzz Williams has this exact problem in basketball. This happens all the time. I have begged Alan Flanagan to run over Buzz Williams. Here we were in a different sport with the same opportunity to just wreck a Texas A&M coach. The only thing is Jimbo's not dressed like a like a, a side character in Red Dead Redemption. That's the only difference between Jimbo and, and uh, Buzz Williams. Also, Buzz has like, won some things at A&M so far, so yeah, give, give him some credit there. Yeah, he's kind of the opposite of Jimbo. It's like he's doing a little more with less, whereas Jimbo's like, what if we won eight games with one of the best rosters in college football? Wouldn't you love that? Well, Jimbo won one uh, on Saturday with this roster, and and this was a game where, I mean, you have 200 yards of offense. Auburn ran the ball decently well in this game, uh, much better than I thought they were going to run it. There were some plays where – errors blocking errors that play where Damari Austin got blown up and the Auburn got the bailout from the from the forward the the forward lateral that was um ruled an incompletion uh lost Austin on that play um which could end up being really really damaging for Auburn but um you know ended up not giving up a long scoop and score there early and staying in the game for longer um but you got to have balance that's the thing about this offense. You got to have balance because uh, later on in the game, A and M was just teeing off on Auburn's run game because they knew early on that this Auburn had no confidence in their passing game. And that comes to the main topic of the day, and something I wrote about on Saturday. We talked all week, guys, about the talent gap between Texas A and M and Auburn, and where that would show up, and how this makes this a tough game, even if. A&M has not been playing the cleanest brand of football recently. Um, that held up at times. There were times where Auburn's offensive line, a, a group of guys that are 
mostly group of five transfers and guys that have been hanging around for a while and haven't yet become household names yet on the offensive line in the SEC, uh, trying to hold up against five stars and high four stars and dudes that are going to be play- being you know early picks in the NFL draft. That showed up at times. That showed up at times. Some of that is just going to be baked right into the formula. But the biggest gap on the field on Saturday was at the most important position on the field, and that is quarterback. Because Connor Wegman, a five-star quarterback, Auburn did pretty well against him early. He, he made his plays, got, got A&M into field goal position the first two drives. They go up 6 uh, you know, after two possessions. Made some good plays. Gets hurt. A&M's backup quarterback's Max Johnson, who a couple of years ago was a pretty good starter for LSU. Um, didn't win the job here. And yet, like, they could call on a guy who has made some big throws and some big games in the, in the SEC. He comes in. A&M makes some adjustments. Auburn's defense is getting worn down. He hits some good throws, good plays. Great second half for him. Meanwhile, Auburn, this is the worst passing performance for an Auburn team since that really bad Georgia game in 16. Was it 13-7? to I think that's the last time Auburn's looked this bad, you know, statistically in the passing game. Three quarterbacks for Auburn, 9 for 23, 56 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. This is about as bad. Like we talked about it, turnovers, and Auburn came close to a turnover um, in this game. But like this is as bad as uh, I think, Dan, a team can look on offense without turning the ball over. Painter. Sorry, I was going to just just to a little a little tidbit here in that game sure. you referenced the 2016 Auburn game. Carryon Johnson had a QBR of 79.4 because <laughs> he completed two of two passes. Uh, Sean White, meanwhile, did go six of twenty for 27 yards. Was yeah, there, uh, was there an injury? That's the pick six game. That's the pick six game, right? Yeah, he threw a pick six in that one, and and yeah, I think arm. Sean was banged up, and there were some questions about whether he should go or you know whatever the case may be. But I think he had wanted to play through it. You know, the, this is a it's it's a tough thing to diagnose because I I don't want to just lump all of the blame at the feet of Peyton Thorne. I think that's happening uh, in 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 the sure. fan base at the same time. It's it's clear that it's a really it was a really bad performance. It was a bad performance, and it's fair to wonder with the opponents Auburn is about to play. Like, is is this plan going to work against yeah. against other teams, or is it time to go back to the drawing board and reevaluate what you have on offense and what you're doing? Yeah, I mean it, that's a hundred percent fair to say. Um, I'll put it to you this way, guys, very simply, and there's some more. You know, uh, film room on Monday, film room ish story on Monday. I'll, I'll have some more numbers on this, but let's put it to you this way: Peyton Thorne was six of twelve for forty-four yards passing in this game. He lost forty yards rushing or sacks in this game, so he had a lot more plays than he did yards, net yards by the end of it, on just plays where he had the ball in his hand and he didn't hand it off. This type of, and again, he he. Played really poorly against Cal outside of that second to last drive, or you know, I guess third to last drive, where you know made some throws and and, and got the win. This against Texas A and M, a much better defense, much tougher environment, did not. Work. I mean, you you have to if you're completing like a little bit over fifty percent of your passes, and it's a low yards per attempt mark. 
and you're taking sacks and all that against as many sacks as they ha- as he has against this type of competition you're about to face moving forward it's brutal. Like, yes, we talked about it last week and we made the comparison to Stidham in 17 where it was like one bad game in week two, you get some stuff right in, in, in an FCS game and then you go out and, and, and show that confidence in week four. That did not happen in this game. As good as, you know, Thorne looked at times against Sanford in week three, it was Sanford. A&M's different. A&M's built different, literally. This, like, it's, you can't even imagine the gap in talent that you have between a Sanford team and one of the most talented teams in, the, in FBS. And like you didn't have anything that carried over from that game. It, you barely threw the ball downfield. Barely felt like you had time to throw, throw the ball downfield. There were missing open receivers as Freeze uh, talked about. Eyes were not where they needed to be. Um, the, the pass protection broke down, you know, on its own at times. There were other times where it held on to the ball and threw, threw into a sack. It's just nothing worked with Thorne at quarterback. They were able to run the ball some, but you got to have balance because A&M was getting aggressive, more aggressive and more aggressive throughout the game, um, trying to line up and, and tee off on the on Auburn's running backs. So for everyone out there who I get it or is saying, hey – why did Jarquez not Hunter not have more touches? Why did the running backs not have more touches? By the way, great game for Brian Batee. Well, I mean, you didn't have very many plays to begin with. And, you know, Auburn averaged about – it was a little less – it was about four and a half yards per carry on first down. Now, there's some sacks that are thrown in there as well. But, like, they got behind the chains pretty easily. And they had penalties. And they had other stuff moving out. Their average distance to gain on third downs was, like, 11.6 in this game. And they were constantly behind the chain. So it wasn't just as easy as, well, if they had just run the ball more, they would have been in better situations. It was like, no, they were putting themselves in pretty rough situations, and the passing game wasn't working. Just nothing was working out there. And on top of that, for Peyton Thorne, when he had protection, when he had time, he just missed some throws. Uh, the first pass he throws in the game, Javarius Johnson on a drag, you know, airmails it. Jay Fair is open for a touchdown in the second quarter on a wheel route. Great double move. All he's got to do is put it on him, sails it. Um, you know, miss miss some other ones. You know, had some had some tougher balls. Yeah, there were some ones that hit guys in the hands as well. You don't want to blame it all on on the quarterback, like you said, Dan. But like, nothing about Thorne's performance on Saturday. And I'll, and I'll say this: Ash, it wasn't like Ashford and and Garner came in and set the world on fire either. There, the offense has moved ball the ball with them, but you know, offensively, it just it wasn't a full sample size to kind of compare it to, but. That is not quarterback play that's going to win you pretty much any game in the SEC if, if, you, if you play like that. And that's, that's going to open up to a very interesting week here before the Georgia game. You know, I, I think if I, were, if I were eager to see one of the, order, the other quarterbacks a lot in the current situation Auburn has on offense, I feel like what Auburn should do would be an easier conversation. Like, I, I don't know how to – I'm as qualified as far as offering suggestions on what Peyton Thorne – should do like I'm, I might as well sit table side at like a chess championship and like yell at the the chess player like, no do this instead you know night night to night, night to queens uh, like I, I don't know exactly how Peyton Thorne fixes this the the eyes the eyes moving to the pass rush which Hugh Freeze talked about 
after the game. I thought it was more noticeable against A&M than it, than it had been all season, although it had happened right. in, in the other games this season too. And, it definitely happened against Cal. And, and it just it feels like this offense has no chance for success with with that going on. And, you know, barring a, a drastic – you know, yeah. a drastic improvement in the kind of protection you're getting. Although I even wonder, you know, I mean, guys are still going to get through even even oh, on, yeah. on good offensive lines. And so I, I think that's that's the thing that makes me wonder, like, is, is this is this is this doomed in the short term? Again, yeah. you know, so much can change moving forward. And I think we can get into like what this loss means for Hugh Freeze and like the plan for this season a little bit later. But uh, yeah, it, I, uh, it, it's it's tough to feel optimistic about the Auburn offense under Peyton Thorne at the moment, based on what we saw against A and M. There were several times in this game where A and M would bluff or show very strong um, edge pressure before the snap, and it wouldn't get identified or checked out of or something. Just something something was going wrong there, and I. I'm no football coach. I don't know who's to blame on those. Um, you know, Freeze said – I asked him a couple of questions after the game here on uh, on Saturday, and he said, hey, you know, I just – I, I want to watch the film first before I make any, like, you know, big declarations about what went wrong and who, who's to blame. And, and I get that. I, I completely understand that. He he has a tendency, uh, which, I, which I enjoy. He comes into post-game press conferences quick. Um, after these games, uh, much more than his predecessors, and I I appreciate that. But again, it's like again, he in the moment, it's like, hey, what, hey, what do you, what do you think about it? It's like I can remember, hey, on some plays, I remember this being the issue, but I can't tell you about all of them. Um, but the the diagnosing the edge pressure, it's like sometimes it looked like some guys were seeing it and others weren't, and you don't know how much the quarterback saw it and checked or anything. Like guys were getting free. That's the thing with coaching this game. Like every play call and every decision like that is going to get second guessed and dissected. I get that, and I understand. I understand that. And there were some. There were definitely some questionable ones in this game for Auburn. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Uh, you know, sugarcoat that. But I will say that the thing that got me, more to me about this game from Auburn's coaching perspective is that these guys look unprepared for what A and M was going to do. And that's the big issue is that, you know, and Free said that about some of the things that A&M did on the edge. It's like, we have answers for that. We've got to coach it better. We've got to execute it better. It's, it's true. Like, you, you got to do that because there were just so many times where we just looked like, okay, if they run this play or if they dig this snap and things go as, as it looks like they're about to go, it's going to blow up and it's going to be bad and nothing happened. Whether that's getting, you know, hot reads or something like that, stuff to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands quicker, checking out. I I don't know. I don't know what the specific answers were. There was just too many times where it was like, this looks bad. This is a bad situation for Auburn. And then they ran the play anyway, and nothing happened. You know, and, Or I should say the bad things did happen for Auburn's offense. And it's like that comes back to with you, with you, where the coach is like, you've got to prepare your guys better. you got to adjust better to that or something because it was just, it was just a constant, constant thing. Um, like I said, they did run the ball decently well. Brian Batie had a good game uh, using his speed. I think they did a good job of kind of countering some of A&M's aggressiveness with their running game at times. But again, you can't be one-dimensional. 
Because when you're one-dimensional, especially against a defense with a line as talented as A&M's, they're just going to tee off on you, and it's going to look bad. So for all of you out there asking, why didn't Auburn run the ball more? They could have. They, they could have run the ball more at, at times, for sure. And there's some play calls, like that toss play that, uh, that Austin got, got hurt on, that are going to be quest- second-guessed and questioned. But the other thing is, is that when you have no threat of a passing game, and in this game, again, Auburn gets sacked six, seven times and only gets, you know, 45 yards of, um, uh, from, sorry, 56 yards of passing in the whole game among all those guys. When you're getting to the point where, like, your pass plays are barely averaging a yard per play or less at times, and I think by the end it might have been less with some of the big losses they had, if that's the case, a defense doesn't have to respect the passing game. You're just It's just going to get harder and harder to run the ball. What do you think, if, if Auburn goes to an offense led by Robbie Ashford and decides they're going to throw the ball less than they planned on throwing it when, when, when they went into the season with Peyton, like, do, you, do you think that's an offense with a chance of success? Or, or do you think they're, I mean, because like, it feels like I, that could be the next step. It, that could be the next step. I think that's an offense that could beat some teams in the SEC. It, it would have to improve. You would have to. You would have to show that you can do some things in the passing game. If you even if you're run heavier. And I tweeted this during the game on Saturday when Ashford came in and there was that three and out, and then they had that better drive where they started moving the ball some and, and got downfield and got in position to potentially put points on the board. Then they had the holding penalties. By the way, stat from uh, our friend Nathan King. Auburn's offensive line is the most penalized in the SEC so far this year. So, again, some of those, the holding calls kind of looked iffy at best, uh, I'll, I'll just say. But the, some, the false starts, some of the, the penalties, they've had, and this goes across four games now for Auburn. We can talk about talent gap. We can talk about, talk about issues uh, with, with you know, Auburn needing to stack recruiting classes and get better as a team as a whole. But the bottom line is this. If you control the things that you can control – playing clean is one of them and you're not doing that it just makes things even tougher for a team that is behind uh in the town yeah but to answer your question Dan like I, I think I think if they do move over to an Ashford offense if that's the case and they may not they may stick it stick it out with Thorne or you know even give Garner a try I don't know uh, he did get one drive at the end I felt like that was more of like let him out there get some experience this game's over than anything but for Robbie Ashford, I'll say this. Um, we have not really seen him run the full scope of the passing offense, I don't think, yet. He did run a lot of options. Auburn moved the ball on the ground with, with, with that running game. I tweeted this, again, I tweeted this during the game. Last month, the last month of last season, when you knew that Auburn was going to, th- to run the ball as much as possible with Robbie Ashford, it still worked. There were times where it still really, really worked. Now, this offense and what you want ideally in your offense is balance. So I see the appeal of Auburn going to get a guy, guy like Peyton Thorne, an experienced quarterback out of the transfer portal, and say, hey, we need to be able to throw the ball. We need an upgrade in the passing game. We got to do that. He gets the job and all that, but when the bullets have been flying, the adjustment to this offense just has not been where Auburn wants it to be. So if you do revert back to a run-heavier system with – Robbie Astrid is your quarterback. I think there's going to be some limitations naturally built in, 
Um, if you don't feel like he can, I, I think Ashford can be, I think you can be more effective with Ashford as a passer. Cause I think you can do some different things that like play to his strengths. Cause his strengths in the passing game are not what Peyton Thorne's strengths are in the passing game. So you could adapt your offense to that. The other thing I think could be very helpful, especially when you play these really good defenses Auburn has coming up, like Georgia, uh, Harold Perkins and LSU also uh, coming up. One thing about Bo Nix and man, what a season he's having. One thing about Bo Nix that really helped him when Auburn had their offensive line trouble is that he just got out of danger, and he escaped, and sometimes he may have left the pocket too early or whatever. I just, he just got out of danger. He didn't get sacked very often, and he scrambled, and he tried to make plays on the run, and he kept plays alive. You saw more of that from Ashford as a guy who is a naturally better runner than Thorne, especially in the second half against this in this Texas A&M game. There were scrambles. There were times where Ashford just, hey, I got to get the ball out of my hand. Let's go. Let's go chunk it. And even if it didn't work, even if those downfield plays didn't work, you'll live with that more than taking the snap, holding the ball, and it's just uh, nothing's there going down for a sack. Right? You know, that that's the kind of thing where it's like with what you've got on your team right now, that might be the better option, but it might not be. Maybe it's they might stick it. They they might, they might stick with Thorn, and they might try to find better ways to help him out. And it was just it's just not. It was just a really bad performance. And when you're and when you're zero for two when it comes to the good performance department against power conference competition, it's fair to reason like you know in a season like this, like it might be time to think about something different. And we will see. We will see if they end up doing that. Well, and and when you consider the opponents right that Auburn's about to face too like this feels like a stretch where I mean you can I guess you can stick with Peyton Thorne he did win the job going into the season uh he has started every game at at quarterback but but if you if you go with Peyton I mean consider what you just saw against A&M if you go with Peyton against Georgia and LSU I think you you need to you need to operate as a coaching staff and as, you know, especially you know, I would I would think that the guys putting the scheme together offensively, like you need to operate under the assumption he's not going to have any time. And and every, every play needs to factor in that Peyton Thorne could be under pressure immediately and needs to know exactly what to do in that situation. And if that's drastic simplification of what Auburn is doing offensively, if that's you know, one read and go. Like, I like, I, I don't know, uh, yeah. but you very know, you, clear that we are not coaches. <laughs> yeah, but what you what you just saw against A and M, like, I I don't I don't know if you can just chalk it up as ah that was a bad day, but we try it again this coming Saturday against Georgia, and it'll yeah. it'll you'll be... have to change something. And as Freeze said after the game, we are searching for answers. Yeah. He also said we've got our own quarterback issues. Another quote he had was. Um, I don't want to play a lot of quarterbacks. They went to Ashford in the second half, and you do have to wonder. Now, there were times where they put Thorne back in where it was obvious passing situations. I don't think you want to do that. But um, I thought I was worried. Work. I'll tell you what, on, on that play where they – when they go back to Peyton on the third and long and – The he, backwards pass. And he spikes it, the one that, the one that gets tipped back to him, and then, and then he sort of spikes it backwards – uh, and and I, I guess the, that's the one they review yes. that right yes. and and they because it was originally incomplete and then they reviewed and said it was like I didn't like the landing 
Peyton Thorne had on that play at all. Oh, if you shoot, go back- he did the he did the NCAA fourteen helicopter motion on that fourth and one. Uh, that fourth and one hit. Uh, the, no, the fourth and one hits another one. But when yeah, he, that's another one. But that when, yeah, when he goes back in the game and spikes that you know t- tips that ball away or whatever that was, um, he comes down on one leg, and I thought he was favoring the knee. Uh, afterward, I was like, "What? What a cherry on top of of yeah. that day would be for Peyton Thorne to go back in after what seemed like a benching, right? Like it's like, okay, yes. they're 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 going with the other guy. And granted, I, I understand Hugh Freeze doesn't want to play a lot of quarterbacks, and I would think that especially means during a game. Mm-hmm. But yes. but you know that that doesn't that doesn't protect a starter all week long from being reevaluated, and, and maybe Auburn. And, he's, uh, and he's, yeah. he said it beforehand that he was going to c- continue to have those guys push him and evaluate him. Um, one of the things that stood out to me, I was I was looking it up, running some numbers uh, last night, but it looked like when Aub- when Peyton Thorne was in the game, Auburn had 17 running plays for 80 yards. However, 53 of those yards came on just four plays. Um, so that average, when you take those out, is just two yards per carry. Uh, Robbie Ashford about a 5.4 yards per carry when he was in the game for for the team, and then Garner had obviously took advantage of that big run from Sean Jackson, where they kind of did a little tendency breaker there uh, late in the game against a against an A and M defense that was kind of backed off. Um, I yeah the the thing here the thing here for Auburn is just you got to find out an answer, and if that's going to another quarterback or sticking with the quarterback you have and coming up with a better plan you got to do one of the two because it just didn't it did not look like Auburn was prepared for what A&M was doing and that is that's that's pretty brutal to watch play out um I think offensive line wise wide receiver wise you know everybody takes it when you're this bad on offense everybody takes blame in it right and but I think the most important position on the field to be as poor as Auburn was in this game um it's just, it's just not that. That is not sustainable. That is not. You can't just chalk it up to okay. Well, that's just one bag. It's another rough game. And I know Thorne had good throws and good plays against Cal to win that game. A and M's a different story, and the teams they're going to play up against are just better than A and M, right? Like I mean, I'm sorry, better than Cal. Sorry, um, they are going to play some teams that are better than A and M too. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just there were times when. A&M was sending three and still getting home. There were times when, you know, there were free rushers. And, and it's just, like you said, Dan, I think it's very important. You don't want to put it all at the feet of Peyton Thorne. He did play poorly, and he is the starting quarterback, and that's going to get the most spotlight on it. Um, but, I, but, again, like, it's just – it's an everybody thing, and, and, you, and you definitely put the coaches in there as well because they're the ones getting paid – a lot of money to make sure stuff like this doesn't happen. Yeah, Auburn did not take advantage of early opportunities at against all. Texas A&M, but I think that looking back on this game and saying Auburn let it slip away or Auburn could have easily won this game if a couple of things go differently, like I feel like that is a that's a dishonest reading of what happened yesterday, right? Like some of that's on the quarterback. I think some of it too is the difference between a coach who has been able to stack multiple recruiting classes against mm-hmm. a coach that had to assemble a team, you know, from a catalog uh, when he took over 
in December and and you know took took the best of of what was available in order to to form this roster but but it's it's year 1 versus uh versus year 6 as well. I think there's some of that that's absolutely true. There were times especially on the on the line of scrimmage where it was like, "Oh, their guys are four and five stars and Auburn's guys aren't and it's showing up that way." But and Painter, I I I love your thoughts on this. I when it's this bad, <laughs> when it's this bad and you know, if uh, last year when you played A&M, A&M's better than the team that they played last year, last November. You still got something. You still put up. It wasn't pretty, but you still put up. You get scored multiple times and found found ways to make it happen. There's only so you know. There's only so much of the talent gap that only goes so far when you look this bad on offense. Because even if, to me, even if you are a team that is a big underdog, you can play better and cleaner. Like the stuff that Auburn can control in this game, and the stuff that comes up to them, they just didn't do well enough. And it just looked even worse against a team that was more talented than them. We mentioned it earlier in the week, but I, I do think Hugh Freeze's comments about the next couple of weeks were very telling. All you had to do was listen. And I don't think it meant that Auburn conceded the game before they went in, but Dan's no. point is a good one. If you're going to try to look through this with orange and blue lenses and say, well, you know, Auburn missed some opportunities early. They could have applied more pressure on A&M that maybe keeps them in the game longer. I think you could use that exact same argument in Texas A&M's case. I think they also, oh, gosh, that game yeah. should have probably not been a three-point three game at halftime. So it doesn't look great, but also we, we knew that this staff was just working from a really tough position. I mean, what, the behind Colorado, weren't they the team with the most transfers this offseason? It's like them or Florida State, yeah. And, and I've been on the train of, like, I think this team shows improvement. Try not to get overwhelmed by the result week to week, as tough as this one was to watch. Because I think Arkansas is a good example. They played very poorly against BYU last week. And they took LSU down to the wire. Like, we will probably see some games from Auburn that look a little more competitive than this. We've also spent a lot of time talking about the deficiency they seem to have at the most important spot on the field. And that, that could continue to be something that, that holds them back. The stuff that you can control as a, as a team, you got to be better at that because if you're not playing clean football, if you're getting penalized this much, if you are making these these mental mistakes, if if you're not going to your answers uh, and you're and you're not adjusting and fixing to what's going, on, like that that you know, that's just going to make things even worse. So yes, it, it would be, it would have been different. Like Dan, I'm I'm sure you're in the same same boat here. Like it would have been different if Auburn played a clean game yesterday and they didn't turn it over. All they probably should have at one point it would have been different you have played a clean game and you lose and you lose by a couple scores and you're like yep they're the better team they got us in this one there was some of that to that in this game but when you play this poorly it's just like there are teams that don't have the talent that Auburn has that I feel like will put up better fights against A&M this year and 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 Auburn needs to improve on their own um stuff even if even if there is a ceiling to how good this team can be because of uh, the talent on the field. Yeah, and part of the reason I think it's disingenuous to look at it as you know Auburn Auburn left a lot of opportunities on the field and and could have could have won this game. I, I mean, part of the reason I'm I'm sort of opposed to breaking the game down that way is because A and M had opportunity. I mean, the longer I think Painter, you just mentioned it right. The the notion this game was a, th- a three point game at the half. 
I've seen a lot of games where a team like A&M leaves points on the board in the first half and regrets it in the second half because, you know, Auburn plays better and A&M plays worse. And A&M maybe could have been up 10 or 14 or 17 in the first half if a couple of things go uh, there. Now, the, the lateral that turned into an incomplete pass was the correct call by the rule. What a dodged bullet that was because because that was not how the play was supposed to go and and texting texting folks in the stadium, I mean, if it's thirteen nothing Auburn after a turnover there, I mean it it might have been it it might have been an earlier day for all of us, right? Like it, oh, it sure. might have felt it might have felt over well before it actually did. So we've talked a lot about the offense. Let's talk about the defense because we need to talk. We need to talk about well, the uh, the one, one thing. Sorry on, on the defense or on, sure. on the offense. Sorry, false start there. Um, the offensive line. We were talking about. You know, is there is there a ceiling to if you build an offensive line with three group of five players and a junior college player? Is there a ceiling to how how well that unit can do? Especially when you start facing some of the better defensive lines. Yeah on Auburn's schedule so much of the focus has been quarterback and play calling just in your sense of how Auburn's offensive line held up and how you think they might hold up against some of the teams coming up on Auburn's schedule I thought they ran the ball well uh, at times I thought there were some mistakes you know in the running game that's going to happen I think that, I thought there were other times where A&M showed how much better they were in winning one-on-one matchups guys getting guys just getting beat uh, and you can live with some of that and know that some of that is, hey, that's a five-star you're going up against and like he's going to be in the NFL very soon. You try to handle it and manage it. But there were still breakdowns where they were letting free rushers go and the pickups weren't happening where they were where they should have been. They were missing some of that stuff. Uh, yes, there is there is a limit. And there was a lot of talk about this Auburn offensive line, and I'll say this. I think this offensive uh, this Auburn offensive line could be better than they have been in the last few years. I think that, that can be true. And the hype and the buildup this season about them – can still ring true, but there is a ceiling to how good you're going to be when you've got a rebuild. Like some of these teams are playing offensive lines that have been together for years and years, and they're guys that have been in the system and were recruited really highly, and and all that. You'll see that in the SEC. I found actually A and M on Saturday started A and M on Saturday started two freshmen and two sophomores on the offensive line. And, you know, had a pretty good game with it. Um, there's some of that to it as well. Like, they've given up some pressures, but, you know, you know talent will, will ultimately win out more often than not in college football. So, for the Auburn, Auburn's offensive line, I think there were, there were guys and there were spots on the field that held up better than others in pass protection. There were some where, man, they were – there were a couple guys out there that were just getting beat in pass protection a decent bit from what I could tell from, from you know, just one-on-one what it looked like. Now I don't know all the assignments and who should be blocking who and who should pick up where and who should get help where. Like, I don't I don't know all that. I just – just one-on-one you could see dudes. And, like, that's going to happen. You're going to have some of that. So, again, don't overreact to this performance and say, like, oh, well, I thought Auburn's offensive line was going to be good. All of you lied to us. It's like I, they could be better. And I still think they could be better. But, like, you know, again, like you're saying, Dan, like four transfers and a six-year senior who has been, you know, hasn't been a regular starter in his career. Like, there's going to be a ceiling to how good, how good that group's going to be. 
And, and I'm sure Auburn fans will, if they are not already tired, like will be tired of hearing about how this is like comparing this to what could have happened if Hugh Freeze had not worked to rebuild this roster in December. Oh yeah, these are guys you actually uh, you had to have these guys to survive, but that doesn't mean you you get them and you're going to win nine games. And we'll we'll never know what the 2023 season would have looked like had had Hugh Freeze not you know worked to inject talent onto this roster at at the spots where he did. But you know, for folk like I understand that at times yesterday or at times against AM it was it was uh, unsatisfactory. It's like I I just I hope folks realize how much more unsatisfactory it feels like you'd be seeing. And again, and, and I guess that's that's before we move on to the defense. The the other point there is like to jump to like if to use uh, to use the A and M game as evidence of a conclusion about like whether or not Auburn should have hired Hugh Freeze or whether or not the Hugh Freeze thing will yeah. work. Like there are too many games. I mean, Urban Meyer went to Tuscaloosa his first year as as Florida coach and got destroyed. Hugh Freeze himself, I think, had three losses of nineteen or more in his first year as Ole Miss. You pointed head coach. out my you you pointed out Miami in, and, the, and, in the preview podcast. Yeah. Like this is the same Miami team that couldn't do anything against Texas A and M on offense last year, and then a year later they they put up a ton of points with the same quarterback. Right, and and I and I also don't know if anyone's running to make that conclusion about Deion Sanders after Colorado uh, can't stay on the field against Oregon. I don't know if anyone's making oh see Deion Sanders shouldn't be in like so so yeah, I no. would like I I would in like. Don't 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 disregard what you saw with your eyes. Um, but sure, but that I, game will confirm yeah. your confirm your preconceived notions about this Auburn football team. Like you you that game that performance gave you enough to like whatever your whatever opinion you have, whatever side you fall on, or whatever whatever camp you're in, you got ammunition in that game because you could say, well, they didn't have a chance. Look at look at the roster and all that and what he inherited. And you say, oh well, you know, look at you know, look at how bad this team performed and how how unprepared they looked and and, and all that. It, and you can blame on the coach. Like, yeah, like you could you could find all that in in this matchup. It was it was it was that bad. I'd forgotten about sixty six thirty one Texas Ole Miss from Hugh Freeze's first year. Oh yeah, as uh, as as a as as the coach there. So uh, yeah, this I mean, is they're, a they're, rebuild. This yeah. is. I mean, I'm not saying that. A lot of y'all were in this, and I don't think a, I think most of the people who listen to this podcast, I would like to think so. But judging by the comments that we get and the responses we get, the emails we get, you guys that li- that listen to this, y'all are y'all are smart folks, and y'all aren't smarter because you listen to us. Y'all are just smart, period, um, and 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 seem to have a good good sense of you know what's going on. You're not prone to hot takes and overreactions and stuff like that, which I've always appreciated about our listenership and our readership. Um, you know, uh, I I think I don't think there's a lot of you who are still in honeymoon mode when it came to uh, Hugh Freeze and Auburn football and this in this team because I think there was enough of that kind of shattering of of your perception if you had the really really high one from the Cal game. I think the Cal game showcased a lot of that, and then when you look just as bad if not worse uh, on offense against a better team, this is what happens. Um, so I, I think. 
I don't think people like got out of the honeymoon phase, but it is the first loss, and there are going to be severe reactions to that uh, because it is the first time we've had to experience this. But like we've said, like you're going to deal with this a little bit more this year, and uh, these next few games are going to be tough. It's survival mode, and it's just one loss. It doesn't define the season, but it's reset after the game um, to his players and what his players told us after the game. is just like we got to get back to the drawing board. you got to fix this. You can't just roll out the same the same method, the same strategy, the same whatever, uh, especially on offense against the teams they got coming up and expected to work. It's just you, you, it's not going to happen. Before we get to defense, uh, let's take care of some business first. If you like the show and you like what we do, what we do uh, you want to read our observations, film rooms, mailbags, analysis. Hey, I'll give you I'll give you a bright spot, Auburn fans, if you're feeling down in the dumps today, which you probably are. Um, Basketball practice starts this week, Tuesday. We'll have some basketball this week and uh, and continue to, continuing that moving forward. Um, next week is Auburn's off week, and our annual tradition for our pre our our premium episodes during the off week is we do a basketball only episode, uh, and it'll be a perfect time to do that. We'll do that next week. So for those of you who want some more good news, want some more optimism, want some more hoops because uh, you're frustrated with football already. It's coming. Don't worry. We, we'll have some of that for you this week at The Observer. AuburnObserver.com. Sign up. $6 a month or $60 a year. You get this. You get twice as much of this podcast because you get our preview podcast that drop on Thursday. Um, hoping to have our, fe- our, our our fine fellows from Georgia, uh, Jordan Hill and Ben Wolk on this week to preview Auburn, Georgia. Um, like I said, we'll do a basketball um, episode, premium episode next week. You get friends of the program you get all of all of our fun stuff uh that we do bonus wise if you subscribe to the server and you get all of uh my written work uh so all the stuff i was talking about earlier mailbags analysis film room observations we'll put more basketball in here in these next few weeks as we get closer and closer to the season really excited for the start of basketball practice started doing some flights and some and some uh some travel plans for Auburn basketball this year. Really looking forward to some of these trips and looking forward to covering this team. Um, so, yeah, we'll give you the best of both in football and basketball moving forward. So, AuburnObserver.com, sign up there. Uh, there are links in the description. There are buttons in the emails. Easy easy way to sign up and get everything we've got going on. Email to your inbox most every morning around 6 a.m. Central Time. Also, Painter, how, they, how can they help us out? Uh, without paying any more money. Rate, review, follow the show on your favorite podcast app. We love it when you leave a review. We love it when you leave us five stars. We do appreciate you. Helps us out a ton for sure. Also, it helps us out a ton is if you go visit our friends at Homefield Apparel, homefieldapparel.com, the number one place to get collegiate apparel. We're talking the softest T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, uh, quarter zips, joggers, hats, the most comfortable ones you're going to find anywhere with the best logos you're going to find anywhere for Auburn football, Auburn basketball, or some baseball stuff on there, some general Auburn stuff. They're getting new and new, newer and newer teams each week. They did a drop this week with Idaho and Idaho State that was absolutely phenomenal. Um, so if you got a school that you care about um, other than Auburn, Homefield probably got them covered. Or if you just like their stuff, you think you think the T-shirt looks cool, Homefield's got that as well. Homefieldapparel.com. Check it out. You can also get the official Auburn Observer t-shirt at Homefield Apparel. Just search Auburn Observer and you can get our logo uh, tastefully printed. A little, little chest print on uh, a very, very comfortable uh, Heather Navy 
shirt. It is the most comfortable shirt I own. Part of the reason why we wanted to do our shirts with Homefield and we wanted to do those specifically is because their Navy Heather ones are just the best shirt they make. And so you can get that with the Observer logo on it. You can also get 15% off your first order from Homefield Apparel if you use the promo code Observer23 at checkout. So if you've never ordered from Homefield before, Observer23 at checkout, 15% off. Tell them that the Observer sent you. All right, fellas, uh, defensively, uh, pretty good game for Auburn, uh, I, I will say. Um, there were some busts. There were some big plays, especially in the second half. This group continues to take hits. Uh, guys, you know, getting hurt, uh, getting banged up throughout the game. Um, nothing seemed to be as serious as the Damari Austin injury. We did see guys like DJ James and Donovan Kaufman and others get banged up. I think Kaufman was hurt on the field several times uh, in this game. Guys were able to kind of play through it. Um, they held the rope for a long time, and there were a couple of big plays and and, and things that they would like to have back that um, you know gave a And M the cushion and and allowed them to pull away, but. I think when you're on the field as much as they were, I think they were on I think the third quarter, I think they were on the field for ten minutes, ten of the fifteen minutes. Auburn barely did anything. They had two yards in the third quarter. I thought not perfect, but a solid game. And a lot of times, like with this team, if you just have a better offense, that defensive effort can make you competitive against some some teams that are more talented than you. Um Eugene Asante not only having a sidestep, you uh, sidestep uh, Jimbo Fisher uh, did play a great game. I thought Larry Nixon had a strong game on top of it. Some guys really got home uh, and made some plays out there. Not can't harp on the defense too much. There's only a couple things I think you could probably highlight. Some plays they wanted to have back. Pass rush still needs to be uh, better, um, especially against a team like AM that has been playing so many young guys up front and has given up as much pressure. But, fellas, defensive performance, uh, Painter, sorry, yeah, I mean, I, I guess you come out of that game thinking, like, it could have been better, but, man, it could have been a whole lot worse. And, and the fact that these guys kept those guys in the game for as long as they did is is pretty telling. Yeah, I guess if we're going to spend a bunch of time talking about the talent gap on offense, like, we should acknowledge that that exists as well defensively, and the defense did a lot better job uh, holding up their end of the bargain. I felt like in the front, definitely Auburn – you know, not as talented as as A and M was in the secondary. You got some talent. You got some NFL players back there. They held up for the most part. Um, that Evan Stewart catch on that throw, uh, just that they did that little hole shot on uh, against quarters coverage. Like that's a great throw. It's a great catch. Jalen Simpson probably could have had a shot to pick it off. Kind of got caught in no man's land back there a little bit. Some hesitation. It's gonna happen. Um, just great play and a great catch, you know, something that just Auburn just did not have any of of on their side of the side of the ball. But that's uh that's a former SEC starter throwing to a five star and, and making really good plays against some really good Auburn secondary players. So the talent won out on that one as well, and execution won out for sure. But yeah, I mean they got banged up and 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 had their had their mistakes, but Dan I I thought I, I thought it was a defensive performance that you will take a lot of times in SEC play. No, I, I think that a lot of the silver lining and what you saw from Auburn is is the fact that the defense held up like it did against an A and M team with with a couple of disclaimers. You know, one, I don't know if the A and M offense was really trying to score that much after they got to twenty. 
Um, yeah, I, I thought they went really conservative after that touchdown. One, because the backup quarterback was in the game. Two, because I don't think they thought Auburn was going to score 17 more points to tie this. You know, once they made it a 20-3 to game midway through the third quarter, felt like A&M uh, got very, very conservative offensively. I mean, if, if Auburn doesn't create that turnover, right, and, and I mean – you wonder you wonder if they seriously threaten for a touchdown the the rest of the game you know if, if it's if it's just on uh the offense but no i i thought the defense did i you know i, I thought the defense did enough to uh to, to keep this game really close it's just you, you can't ask them to do it over and over and over again without any help from from the offense you know you're not going to be able to you're not going to hold good sec teams to 10 points 13 points uh consistently like you're, you're gonna need you're gonna need more than zero touchdowns uh for, from the offense uh to uh to, to hang against especially against the the top half of of the teams on your schedule the fact that they got punched in the mouth like they did in the third quarter and then that there was a shot in the fourth that auburn could have kicked that field goal if they wouldn't have got that holding call and and had a shot to make it a one possession game in the fourth like that that's it that's a testament to the defense for sure uh, and obviously the 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 dam broke, you know, when Auburn punted on fourth and long and in in plus territory, and then tried to get the ball back quick and gave up a big play. Larry Nixon said it. After, Larry Nixon said it after the game. They just they they felt like they weren't fitting things as well in the second half. That guys were getting banged up and and the fatigue really started to set in. They were on the field for a lot. Free said like, hey, you know, we didn't we didn't help them out at all uh, on offense, and that's that really contributed to it. So the mistakes Auburn made technique wise, um, you know, assignment wise, there's stuff to clean up for sure. There's always going to be like that. But when you play a team that had been as prolific as A&M had been through the air and then, you know, Wegman, Wegman didn't go nuts in this game at all. Um, I think they did a really good job against him and their, those receivers. They figured some main things out, and they they adjusted, and 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 uh, they took advantage of an Auburn defense that was on the field for a good bit in the in the second half. That was the that was the big difference maker for sure in this one. Yeah, and I, and I think it's I mean the, the good news would be that Auburn still I mean it, it's it's an A and M offense where where Auburn was able to you know they were able to hold their own for for much of the game and and some of the key matchups weren't. Huge, huge mismatches in A and M's favor. Uh, at the same time, it's uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's still you know, it's 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 a moral victory more than anything else. There for def- sure. you know, a defense full of proud guys that that I think wanted uh, more more than just moral victories. But no, I, I think there's a reason we're talking about the offense a lot more than the defense on a, on a, on a show like this. And and I think part of it is because you, know, you just you just have more glaring stuff uh, from the offense. Hey, speaking of. Uh, offense defense special teams sort of lumps together the decision to punt uh you know a couple of times they were in plus territory I thought there was one fourth and four where Auburn maybe could have considered it instead of uh instead there was of one in the, there was one in the first half they could have could have lined up a long field goal for for McPherson and decided not to and that was that was puzzling early in the game and uh yeah I mean it's just there's some decisions they took some delay of games to get more room for your for your those delay games on punts those were to get more space sometimes it worked sometimes it didn't then they had just false starts it's just those penalties man like they had i think nathan was telling me on the way back he had looked it up that like auburn has had like six or seven penalties 
on third downs against against uh, so far this year or something like that from their offensive line. They haven't converted a single third down after a penalty yet. Like, you know, you can't get behind – you can't – get. this goes back to what I was saying earlier. Like, you can talk about the talent gap. You can talk about that. But the things that you can control, if you're not playing clean, that's just going to – it's just a death sentence in a game like this. And it gets you further behind the chains. It gets you in worse spots. Auburn wasn't doing well throwing the ball on first and 10 or second and two, much less third and 15 uh, in this game. So, like, they've got to play – they've got to play cleaner on top. But, yeah, but there were some of those decisions. The the screen on third and forever late in the game where, you know, you feel like if you just throw one up there and try to get bailed out by a DPI, you, like, you have a shot at that maybe. But, yeah, I mean, the play calling is going to get dissected. Um, and second guess, and, and I'll be interested to hear what Freeze thought about uh, the decisions there. He has been pretty, def- you know, has defended Philip Montgomery um, when he was ta- uh, you know, after the Cal game. I'll be interested to see if he takes a similar attack against, uh, you know, after this old, this uh, this game against Texas A&M. But yeah, I mean, I don't want to sit here and say you know it was more on the execution because uh, than the play calling because that makes it sound like I'm giving the the coaching a free pass. I'm not. Uh, what I'm saying is, is, and we we saw this with the, in the Harson era a ton. When it, when your team doesn't look like it's prepared to answer the questions it is asked of them on offense, um, that's that's coaching. You got to like that 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 comes down to you. Now, if you have the answers and those guys aren't making those plays, sure we can have that debate. But um, I think any coach and and Freeze took a lot of responsibility after the game uh, talking to us. A lot of coaches would be like, "Hey, it's on us to get better," and 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 you know, again, they're the ones getting paid millions of dollars to make to fix this, not not the kids. Is there anything else? Any, any other things you guys you want to say about defense? Kai and Lee uh, making another great play uh, on that. Yeah, you know, I should I should mention to to force that force that fumble out. Nehemiah Pritchett back out there didn't seem to get banged up in this game. Uh, I think that helped out Auburn a good bit. You saw J.D. Rim in the slot more. Those injuries that Auburn had coming into the game didn't really seem to affect them a ton, especially on defense. You'd like to see them get to the quarterback more often. Here, sacks were from Cam Riley and Caleb Wooden on blitzes. You don't want to blitz. You don't want to overly blitz against it against, especially against a passing game like A and M's, because you know they'll they'll just run to where you're not and, and make some big plays. But um, I do think the the de- the decrease in blitzing in the second half, I think a lot of it had to do with the fatigue because you're having to expend more energy on those kind of plays. And, and that's something we worried about going into the game is as, as it wears on, can A and M start to challenge Auburn's depth? You know, if A and M has the lead, you know, can can they run it successfully against Auburn in the third and fourth quarter against guys that have played a lot of snaps to that point? You know, I think Auburn with more points on offense could have. You know, re- really made it into a, a an interesting second half as far as mm-hmm. what's A&M going to do. But when A&M was nursing, you know, once once they built that lead to multiple scores, yeah, they they, they were just going to run it at Auburn until you know until they until they broke through, and at the end they were able to do so and and put the game out of reach. It seemed like A&M really keyed on making sure Jalen McLeod didn't get to him. Um, Auburn's top guys in terms of pressures, according to Pro Football Focus, uh, Caleb Wooden, Eugene Asante, and Keldrick Falk all had three. Donovan Kaufman had two. He had several linebackers and a safety that had one. Just not enough from your pass rush. I mean, uh, the only defensive lineman, true defensive lineman, that got a pressure on 
Saturday is Keldrick Falk, and he didn't even start the game. All he played looked like a dozen pass rushing snaps in this game. Still think he needs to play more. Still think he's playing playing pretty well right now. But it was kind of the thing that I think on I think on Tiger Talk this week, like somebody asked Freeze about like, hey, you need to get pressure on Wegman. He would be like, yeah, that'd be nice. And it was just kind of like one of those things where it was like, yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't bank on it. Sport like one of those kind of kind of uh, you know tones that you took there. But look, we we had set ahead into the season for Auburn. Like you were completely build, rebuilding your pass rush, McLeod. Uh, like it can't just be one guy, right? You need everybody. And not having Colby Wooden is, I think, as big of a difference as not having Derek Hall because Colby not only could get after the quarterback on his own as a defensive lineman, but he did create so many opportunities elsewhere. And just Auburn's rebuilt defensive front just has not made the grade in that area so far. And uh, they're going to have to get better at it. And if not, teams are going to be able to kind of sit back and, and, and make those throws. Um, so that's something that Auburn really needs to improve and work on moving forward. But overall, the defensive effort, it should either win you games or keep you in a lot of games against competitive opponents in the SEC. So for as all, like you said, Dan, for as all as we talk about it, about the, the talent gap between Auburn and Texas A&M in this game, um, and it's showing up on offense – didn't show up as much on defense, especially in the first half, and I think that's I think that that speaks some volumes. All right, um, before we go, uh, wanted to talk a little bit about yesterday's game. So I only watched really the I watched a decent bit of Arkansas LSU by the time I got back to my hotel, and of course Ohio State Notre Dame. Watched the end of that one. Uh, Painter, you you were you were manning the couch all day. Um, what stood out to you from 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 uh, from our action across uh, this grand sport yesterday? Well, I guess it depends on your read of the situation. You either thought that the way Notre Dame lost was very sad or very funny. Yeah, having ten on the field on that one. Oh my goodness! And I and I said it. I said on Twitter, fourth and go, fourth in the ball game, and you're like, hey, no, we're gonna hammer this. Like they're not gonna be ready on that that side of the field. Like I love that play call. So that's much. that's when a coach should be on the field, not when Jimbo Fisher <laughs> is 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 trying hey, to Mark, set a screen. And Marcus for- Freeman's a defense guy. Like he could he could have lined up there in the he could have lined. Up. They only ha- they didn't have a down defensive lineman on that side of the field. He could have tackled a referee, is what he could have done. I mean, you I don't I don't know what you I mean, especially that close to the goal line already. I mean, you're not worried about the half the distance. Oh, like, just, just, I mean, you take, yeah, I mean, you send the whole team out there. You know, forget about one defensive line. Like, send everyone and stop that play from happening. Uh, yeah, I, I just did say uh, it's unfortunate, too, that you know, it could be in, in a four-team playoff era, that could be a huge loss for oh, Notre yeah. Dame at the, at the end of the season. And, uh, yeah, it comes down, to a, uh, comes down to a play like that. Iowa scoring zero points. Chef's kiss. Uh, Bo Nix continuing to be very good. Uh, you know, twist that knife just a little bit. Yeah, the overreaction to Colorado, we knew it was coming. And, like, yeah, they're, this is a team that did well to beat TCU, did well to beat Nebraska, should have lost to Colorado State. Colorado State mismanaged the end of that game pretty pretty badly. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's going to happen. But this is the danger of – over hyping Dion, and like I'm not even sitting here and saying like like I, uh, Dion, that team is fun, and at times they are really fun to watch. But this talk about like how from 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 
from national college football people about like, could this be a playoff team? Dion can win a national championship in Colorado. Give him time. It's like, stop, stop it, stop. Just let things happen. Everything does not have to be playoff or championship or the best thing in the world. Things can just be, hey, this is a team that's overachieving right now and has been in the dumps forever, and people are talking about Colorado football. That that should be enough, but it can it can never be enough for the for the news cycle. It never well, can be enough. When they're when they're undefeated, I think people felt like, well, we have to acknowledge, like it it, it would seem unfair to talk about the other undefeated Pac-12 teams as playoff contenders. USC and Oregon and Washington and even though they're far better right well but until you see them on the field together though you know, you know it's no, it's an assumption insane. no that's it's insane. an assumption that they're that far better but it's an insane opinion to have yeah like that's and, and so no I, I'm the Colorado thing to me I, I wonder how much because I know people are saying it's a it's a media creation and that's that's true to an extent. Yeah, Dion. I, I mean, I, Dion has made it a crea- media creation. I mean, he is he has his own media company or marketing, whatever. Right, and and I do think that Dion is a famous enough person in the in the world of football. I'm sure there are, and I don't have like the metrics for this. I'm sure there are a lot of folks who the only college football they've watched is Colorado. Oh yeah, like they're not they're oh, not yeah. college football fans, and they're coming in out of interest in Dion or or out of out of interest in the phenomenon, you know, over the last couple of weeks. And, and so, yeah, that, that's where it seemed like some of the uh, if, if if the if the start was being blown out of proportion, you know, it, it felt like maybe some of it was from folks that were new to uh, to, to all of this. Granted, some of it might have just been people, you know, trying to get their their Twitter engagement paychecks this, this month by by throwing out there that, you know, may, maybe Colorado is a dark horse playoff team or something but but no i uh and i I guess we should also mention the other guy in the affleck commercials if we're going to talk about dion as well because that's a i mean 18 to 3 second half for alabama after trailing that was a vintage vintage alabama performance yeah that was that was old school that's turning back the clock right there that's that second half against alabama had me thinking like right now if i had to wager national champion Georgia or the field I would be I would struggle with my answer watching Alabama in the second half it is like oh there are there are there are some teams that they might have something to say about this and and guess, maybe I'm, I'm fine with saying the field because I think there's some really good offense being played elsewhere right now Washington continues to look unstoppable oh, on offense good. it is amazing Washington looks real good Utah won the most Utah game ever 14 to 7 over UCLA seeing one of yeah seeing one of these Pac-12 offenses like yeah. USC or Oregon or Washington against boy USC's uh, got some defensive problems yeah, boy, they're, they're gonna they're gonna give up some they're gonna give up some points uh, in. Uh, I think they play I mean, UW and Oregon this year. I think they have Colorado next week, which maybe won't be uh, the. Yeah. I mean, it feels feels like they still have the advantage in that. Well, game, some people right thought there. Travis Hunter was worth thirty something points, so I don't know. Real quick, Payne, before you go, like back to the Bama Ole Miss game. Saw a quote from Jackson Dart saying, "Like we thought this was the year to get him." This is the danger of hyping up one game and making everything about one game. And look, Lane Kiffin, his antics, his talk, his 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 trolling, whatever you want to call it, he did all of that this week. He unloaded everything he had, and then they what ten points, ten ten scored ten points against Alabama. Kevin Steele or T. Rob doesn't matter who was calling that defense. Like it, it's rough when you when you build it all up. Hey, this is our. 
you know, and people in around Oxford, this is the best team we've ever had. This is going to be it. This is our time. This is our moment. And it was so perfect. Bama coming off an awful performance against USF. Lost to, to Texas. This is your shot. Go out and get it. And then you just get put in a chokehold in the second half and, and, and get the life squeeze out. Like, that's – that's rough because I don't know how Ole Miss comes like, – and they had Quinshot Jenkins back. Like, I don't know – I don't know what Ole Miss looks like moving forward because that's a that's like big-time psychic damage to lose a game like that. Well, I mean, they've been playing this game since the, – they've been playing this game every year since the 60s. It's not on next year's schedule, which is one, one of the more noteworthy decisions by the SEC as far as the, the rivalries that didn't make the cut – for for next year both both Mississippi schools not on Auburn's schedule or Alabama's schedule yeah, next yeah, ne- next year as 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 they as they sort of adjust I think I think Ole Miss has two wins all time in Tuscaloosa one in 88 and one in the teens so I mean I, you understand why they're talking about like this is our year because it's it's a once in a generation type thing not it's not going to happen this year and we don't know the next time uh, Tuscal, you know, the next time Ole Miss goes to Alabama, uh, so uh, you know, m- I mean, maybe maybe Lane Kiffin's not the coach the next time Ole Miss goes to Alabama. We'll see what the future holds, but yeah, it was not a uh, was not going to happen this year. And and you're right for a for a program that came in believing they could have a once in a generation type season for Ole Miss football or win the SEC West uh, in the last year of its existence. Uh, you know, that it's, it's just it's one just, loss, but it's a big one. It's, it's a, a big, big one. one, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Panner, back to the scoreboard. Florida State caught some breaks, and they ended up pulling it out against Clemson by score. Kid, uh, kid missed a kid missed a very short field goal, right for Clemson. Worth noting that uh, SP Plus, Bill Connolly's SP Plus, has Florida State at fifteen and Clemson at sixteen. Do with that what you will. Wow. Interesting. Very very interesting. I saw somebody. Uh, somebody I follow, I want to may, maybe Thurston. Somebody's got Florida State at one in, uh, in in their poll. I think there are some people that are making that decision after the win against Clemson. You know, now, now that Florida State has beaten LSU and Clemson, they they maybe have the most impressive group of wins of anybody in that top five, top ten to this point. And and, and I don't think it will be a. We all I don't remember think it'll Clemson be a, losing to Duke, right? That's right. Okay. Yes. yes. Just, just making um, sure. That no, and, and so I think that's going to be. Uh, and, and the LSU win looks like it'll keep getting better. Bro, if as, you want to give if you want to give Washington number one in the country, I'm fine with that right now. I do think it's still Georgia, but I'll go, I'll go with that. Could you vote for Oregon? Mm, maybe. I mean, there's not there's not like a marquee yeah. victory. I mean, Colorado is the best team they've beaten probably, but yeah. Uh, the Oregon State Washington State game wound up being oh, exciting, wow. and Washington State pulled off the upset. But uh, Cam they, Ward they is almost, really good, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Cam Ward's awesome. That's a I wonder if, quarterback that is that is doing work. I wonder if both of those programs are going to have a hard time keeping their coaches. I think those are oh, two yeah. coaches that that folks, especially in, when they don't have a conference. Yeah, well, I mean, they won. I mean, packed two championship last night. You know, big big win for Washington State to uh, to, to secure the the conference title. Uh, but no, I, I would think both of those coaches uh, could be in uh, could be in demand from schools elsewhere, especially if they keep winning. The way they're winning, and if their uh, if if their futures uh, look as uncertain as they do at Oregon State and Washington State, any more? Any more? We I got? think that sort of rounds it out. Um, a lot of the other games were sort of as you would expect, but it was a good day if you were a a fan of watching football. Yeah, and, and hopefully for those of you who are upset about 
the Auburn game, and understandably so, you got to you got to bounce back from it pretty quickly and and uh, and watch some really good college football. All right, um, we'll have football newsletters on Monday and Tuesday, probably a basketball no- newsletter on Wednesday or something of the sort. Uh, thirteen for thirteen on Thursday. Also on Thursday, we'll preview the Auburn Georgia game for subscribers. Mailbag on Friday. Uh, next week's recap podcast, we will see. That's TBD. It might be Painter and Dan manning it with uh, maybe a special guest. Uh, I will see. I will see what my availability will be like be for that one. But we will be back uh, for those of you in the inner circle on Thursday with hopefully Jordan and uh, and Ben to join us for the Auburn Georgia preview. Thanks everybody for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Painter, final thoughts. Dan, what are we eating this weekend? Are we getting anything good here? Ooh, you know it was um, oh, barbecue leftovers. I uh, you know it was, it was nothing nothing too excited on the on the gastrointestinal front. I, I don't think. Although uh, you know, Justin, I, I am curious to know if if there was anything any anything uh, top flight uh, eaten while you were in uh, while, while you were in Texas. I know you were excited about uh, some of, some of the things that you get to see when you're in the Houston slash College Station area. Absolutely, I uh, I always make sure to uh, really go all out when I go to go to Texas and and hit some of my spots. So I have been traveling with uh, Jason Caldwell and Nathan King, our friends from from Auburn Undercover. Um, neither of them had ever been to a Torchies, and it took us about two hours to get our um, rental car in Houston on Friday because there is a Beyonce is doing. It was doing shows here this weekend at the Texan Stadium, and if you don't know anything about Beyonce, other than the fact that she is one of the most famous singers uh, and musical artists in the world, she is also from Houston. So this is like the show people wanted to come to. Uh, there, were the two people I sat with next or sat next to on my flight from Atlanta to Houston were going from Atlanta to Houston just for the Beyonce show. So a lot of rental car problems there, but trying to find something quick. If you've never been to Torchy's. Behold, like Torchy's, Torchy's uh, tacos, great, great stuff. The queso was great. And then yesterday, on the way back uh, from A&M, we, uh, going back to our hotel, we stopped in Tomball, Texas, to a place that I shouted out on the Thursday show, Tejas uh, Chocolate and Barbecue. Um, burn-ins, Saturday night burn-ins, incredible. Uh, I, got a, I got a link of uh, boudin sausage that they had just made, which I love boudin. Got the, the rice was really good in it. And then uh, some carrot souffle, and I got some chocolate to take home for the road. So, strong, strong trip to Texas as always. Painter, what were you eating this weekend? I had uh, bacon and eggs, and um, then I Shocking. had... Shocking. Yes, and then I had kava, so... Oh, I love kava. Good Bring stuff. kava to Auburn. Bring kava to Auburn. I will continue my petition. Mm-hmm.